So I actually, occasionally I buy, it's like a hundred pack of chicks from this one guy about an hour away. And I like to give those to different snakes. Just, I give them to my pits and I mm-hmm. sometimes regret it because their poop is horrifying afterwards. <laughs> and I've given them to, sometimes I've give I've offered them to some of like my ball pythons, but they don't like them. So, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll offer them to anyone who wants to eat them. That's in that relative size range. And sometimes quail. Um, a couple of times I've tried to feed fish to my false water cobra and she likes that. So maybe I'll do that more. I just keep forgetting, but I kind of mm-hmm. just do chicks. Like chicks are my main, chicks and quail are my main like alternative for stuff. Hey friends, and welcome to the Modern Medusa podcast. Welcome back to the Modern Medusa podcast. This is your host, Dominique DeFalco of DeFalco Reptiles. Thanks for tuning in for another week. I am loving doing this. Uh, it's really such a pleasure to be able to bring really cool ladies to the forefront um, and do this podcast. So thank you so much for listening. This is episode 22, I think. I really need to learn how to count better. And I am super excited for our guest. But before we get into that, just want to encourage you guys to check out our Patreon, give us uh, a like on Instagram. You know, that's where you'll be kept up to date with the most, the most news and the most exciting things about the podcast. I try to keep that as updated as I can, but I am a human being. So we just do our best. Um, um, this week, I'm super excited to speak with a friend of mine who I actually was following her art account before I even knew she kept reptiles. And I was just a big fan of her artwork and the incredible work she's doing with resin or reason. I, don't, I think it's resin, whatever, um, <laughs> with the resin work she was doing. And then she posted one day that she had like a hog nose. And I was like, oh my God, you keep snakes? And she's like, a couple. And then sends me a list of 28 species that she currently keeps. So, so I could talk about her a lot, but let's let her get a couple words in herself. So please welcome Kina May Campbell of Exotic Entities and Offensive Resin. Hello. Hi, hi there. How are you? I am doing good. How are you? Good. I love this awkward small talk we do as if we weren't already talking. <laughs> <laughs> like we weren't already like texting each other all day. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, cool. Awesome. I imagine they do the same thing on talk shows. Like mm-hmm. they act pretend like excited to see each other, but they have to have like, seen I their guests. I saw guest. you like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> right. And you're not in your suit or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. So hello, Kina. Super excited to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thank um, you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. I mean, first off, I am sorry to everyone who doesn't get to the pleasure of seeing your <laughs> lovely background because I'm just envious of your plants. Oh every time this you is, post it's them. really hot in here everything is dying because it's like 100 degrees in california so everything i have to move everything upstairs so there's not much down there don't look <laughs> not much it's a full room of plants <laughs> mm. that makes me so jealous like your plant collection your animal collection just there's so much we can chat about but before we get too much into that introduce yourself who are you where are you from what do you keep so i'm kina um i live in california uh central valley kind of like Sacramento ish. Um, what's your exact address? Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> you want my social security number too? Yeah, the last three, three on your um the the back of your credit card. Thanks. I already got the front. Um. <laughs> 
Um, and I keep a little bit of everything. Really, I'm into colubrids right now. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of like my my niche right now. Uh, but, but especially really into rat snakes, which are really interesting to me at the moment. But uh, I keep some large constrictors, some uh, hog noses, a couple of rattlesnakes, just weird stuff. Um, just like I breed casual. a lot, but I also have a lot of, yeah, I breed a lot, but I also have a lot of animals that are just my pets and mm-hmm. that could be breeders, but I just, I'm just, I don't really want to breed them because they're just animals to me. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely have questions about that, but I want to kind of get started. So Tell me a little bit about you growing up and, and what was it your first introduction to animals in general? And then how did you really discover your passion for reptiles? So I've actually, I, in college, I knew that I wanted some sort of like ESA or like some animal because I couldn't keep mm-hmm. my dog with me. Um, also, they said they could have a cat, but I'm actually allergic to cats. So I was like, that okay. Sucks. So I looked for a snake and I ended up buying a ball python from somebody. I still have him to this day. He actually... Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's a big boy now. Um, and I really liked the snake and to the point where I was like, I want another one. So I bought another one a couple like months later and then I got another one. I got more and it's the point where I had like five snakes in my dorm room. Nice. I'm um, sure your roommates love that. Oh, no, I actually had a room to myself. So that's oh, why I was just yeah. like, exactly. So I, I had the room, you know, and I think I started going to expos and just meeting more people and realizing that there was just something about these animals that I loved a lot. And yeah, I, I, I love my dog. I'm kind of allergic to dogs, but she's kind of, she's pibble. So she has kind of <laughs> that short hair. Even sometimes she still gives me allergies, but I just like, there's just something about snakes that is so captivating. And the fact I think that they're so misunderstood is what brings me, like just what attracts me to them. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, off the, you know, even when I was a little kid, I was afraid of snakes because they're painted in such a bad light in society and in movies and in media. But right. in reality, they're not actually that bad. Mm-hmm. So when you were younger so, and you had a fear of snakes, is that something that you're that you really were getting from the media? Is that something that your family was telling you? Was it religious based at all? So actually, my mom is a hardcore Catholic. And mm-hmm. so her I remember when I first got a snake, she's like, like the, the, the devil's the devil. and <laughs> She's like, it's just a ball python. Like, it's fine. It's yeah, not gonna it's okay. It's, yeah, it, we're, we're going to be okay. It didn't even um, come with an apple. Nothing exactly. that bad can happen. <laughs> exactly. Um, and now she kind of just knows. She's like, she knows I have them. She doesn't like coming over. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a win-win. Mm-hmm. Honest, exactly. So, um, and also just in the media, I remember I watched watched some terrifying, I think it was like Anaconda. I don't know. I was like a little kid and I saw it and I was scared. But other than that, I just wasn't a big fan of snakes until uh, I think around high school, like end of high school, early college, when I actually got one. Um, mm-hmm. I would always go to Petco and ask to hold like the, the ball python morphs mm-hmm. for like no reason. I don't know why. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and now I know now I thought, how I thought it was the coolest and... person ever because I'd be like, that's a banana <laughs> ball python. I know the morph. I know more than you. It's like that meme that's like... <laughs> Do you need any help today? I know more than you. It's not like that. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, I just, you know, there are obviously people in the community that are not great, but there are also a lot of great people in the community, such as you, and I have a lot of other friends, um, and just people are actually really good sometimes, shockingly, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a coin toss sometimes. Mm-hmm. So did you, um, before you got, you know, snakes specifically, did you have any uh, attraction, to, not attraction, Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> did you have any interest in animals? Like, did you ever consider an animal career or what did you go to college for? Did you want to make, when did you start to notice a love for animals that then transitioned into snakes specifically? I've always loved animals. I mean, even though I'm allergic, I would still give cats. I had a cat when I was little, but mm-hmm. I just would die of allergies. I'd be like, it's fine. I'll take it until until it. she died, un- until he died, unfortunately. But even so, I've always loved animals. I loved frogs and geckos and everything else. I had a corn snake. I, th- oh, I, did, I actually did have a corn snake in high school, but then. Oh, so I, you're a liar. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, for- I forgot about it because it got up because my. So my karate teacher gave it to me because he was leaving for college and then it got out a couple months later and then I just kind of forgot about it yeah that's fine that's, I'm exposing that's myself that's, well one of my first experiences with snakes was when I was younger mm-hmm. and my one of my best friends her brother had snakes mm-hmm. and it would be like hilarious because I'd come over and be Kate like which of Tommy snakes is out this week? And she'd be like, oh, it's this one. And we're like, we should look for it. We never found them. They found it like oh. six months later once. They oh found god. it and they were like, oh my god. And I was like, wow, I need that. <laughs> so then what did you study in school? Yeah, so I actually went to school for psychology. Um, uh, I actually, that reminds me when I did go to class. Actually, this is actually kind of ties into my husband. So I actually met him because of my snake because I was like really? that. I, I was that edgy little kid that <laughs> brought their ball python to like a lecture. Oh my god. I, You're I, like, there's that, a guy, that's like... Oh, there's like a guy in Cincinnati <laughs> who wears his boa around his neck and I'm like, oh, oh my god. god. There are so home. many people like that at doing expos and I'm like, You're gonna get mites, bro, but like you do you. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I brought it to like a lecture once and we were friends, like just like cause we sat next to each other. So I asked him to hold it one day. I went to the bathroom and then we started hanging out more and now we're married. So. Wow. Wow. True love. <laughs> Your mom can't be that mad about the snakes if it like brought yeah. you a husband, right? I, she likes them. So I guess she can't be that mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you first got your animals, you were in college living in a dorm. Where were you getting your information about husbandry and like, what was your care like then? Uh, so I actually, uh, so the thing is when I went to college, I actually lived about 30 minutes away from my house, but mm-hmm. I had this weird like scholarship opportunity where I could live on campus for free. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, sure. I don't want to be next to my mom. I'll live yeah. on campus. <laughs> so uh, I would watch a lot of YouTube videos. I watched a lot of Snake Discovery. I love her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a couple of others that I don't agree with necessarily now. Um, and I read a lot of uh, like articles and not just tried to do a Google search, but tried to actually read more articles and stuff on different websites. Uh, and I remember my care wasn't horrible, but it wasn't great. Right. Um, I think I kept my ball pythons in, again, like in tubs. Uh, mm-hmm. At one point, I think I cohabbed for like a month and it was like, just kidding. I, cause there was a pet store next to me that, um, it was like a reptile specialty store and they cohabbed. So I was like, Oh, that's fine then. And then I read yeah, like, more snakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Never mind. That's not actually right. Which I don't do anymore, obviously. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I figured my way out eventually. I talked to some people, I joined some Facebook groups, like local Facebook mm-hmm. groups. So eventually I was able to get the hang on it and see what was actually right and wrong for the most part. So when did you, um, how long into keeping was it that you started to expand into different species and what was your jump after ball pythons? So my second bow was at, or my second snake was actually a boa. It was a uh, dwarf cocker K crawler K cocker K. I still have him too. Um, and he's literally, he's an adult male, but he's like four feet long. So I mm-hmm. kept him in a, I think I kept him in like a 40 gallon or something. 
Um, and I really like boas and I like ball pythons. And of course, I feel like everyone either has a stage where they're really into ball pythons and they get out of it or mm-hmm. they don't start with ball pythons and then never ever go in that area. Mm-hmm. But I can't, it was kind of tricky because for a while I was jumping around with what and seeing what I wanted, what I was mm-hmm. most comfortable with. And also at the time I didn't have a lot of room and I didn't have my facility. So I didn't, I only had my bedroom. My bedroom's pretty, relatively large, but I couldn't, you know, grab everything. I think my third species that I got was no it was Cecilia my retic I got her when wow, she was that's a big jump I know I I'm, I was kind of an idiot back then but honestly it worked out really well because I was able to figure things out very quickly but I mm-hmm. got her when she was still a baby um and quickly you know, I just raised her in like a tub and then removed to like a rack for like a month and then she outgrew that so I got her a pvc and now she's in like the biggest enclosure in, in, mm-hmm. in, in an eight foot right now but um so when so you got was, your retic what was your knowledge level of of what this animal would require and like where did you get them i i hate to admit this but i got her off of prigs <laughs> okay that's fine i think a lot of people get their animals i mean that way. yeah i mean yeah. yeah i yeah i got i i would always scope craigslist because sometimes you can like occasionally in my area you'll find like ap cages for like cheap and so I'll, I'll like completely strip them and just wash and power wash them yeah most like, of my cages yeah. most of my cages and such are from from craigslist and frequent facebook like marketplace facebook groups. yeah exactly i mean you gotta you gotta hustle at the beginning it's yeah. like i don't make a lot of money <laughs> like, yeah i gotta afford got, this somehow exactly so i found her on craigslist for like uh, i don't remember how much she was but i knew she was going to get huge mm-hmm. and at that point i think i had been keeping for a couple months and was like you know I'm just going to go with it. Um, at, I, I admit completely that I wasn't maybe the most uh, prepared, but mm-hmm. I think now, obviously, I'm, I'm doing a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So again, it was the fir- at first, it was a rough start. And also just me really wanting to get into it. And I, and I saw all these different breeders and people have all these animals and I wanted to keep up with them. But of course, mm-hmm. that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so then after her, I, it's kind of a blur, if I'm honest. Um, right. Because I moved back home, I think I got more ball pythons. Um, and at one point, I, I ended up selling a lot of my ball pythons. But for a while, I did have, those are my main snakes. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, I think I ventured out a little bit into, um, like, I think I got, I got a carpet python at one point. Um, I got maybe another boa and stuff like that. And then it sort of just grew. And I've only been keeping for about four years mm-hmm. in total. So not that long in comparison to a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but this, like, it's, this is going to sound so weird, but I've gotten a lot of deals and a lot of weird trades. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, so yeah, like it's just, it's weird. Also Craigslist is weird sometimes. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things you can sell or, yeah. or trade to get animals and it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's a different world. Yeah. I traded <laughs> an iPad, I traded an iPad for a boa <laughs> and I still have her to this day she actually has man did I I don't remember my brain is fuzzy but there are just sometimes these weird deals that you come across and like one of my favorite snakes is my Argentine boa and mm-hmm. she was listed as a, a female cocker and I was like oh okay because you know I have a male cocker maybe get a female because I actually really really want to work with that look like I want to do locality stuff mm-hmm. and I went to go see her, in, see her in person and she was not a cocker case she was an argentine and which is mm-hmm. way different and a lot more expensive and a lot darker and was like wait okay so i got her for she was an adult female for 100 bucks jesus and, christ 
yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was dreaming, but I took her home and I confirmed with a few people like this is actually, this is an Argentine. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm still trying to find a male, but right now she's happy. She's fat, mm-hmm. not too fat, but you know, <laughs> she's eating well. I'm not, so- I'm not proud of feeding my boas, I promise. <laughs> so with the boa localities, what was the other one you said you have? Cause I'm not familiar with that. So I have Cocker K. Uh, it's, it's like it's it's either called crawler k or cocker k i've seen them used interchangeably um mm-hmm. that's the one it's and a dwarf locality. oh it's okay yeah it's a dwarf locality and like again my male is like four feet long max mm-hmm. uh, and i just i a couple months ago i got a f- little baby female and i just think it'd be something cool because i think that a problem with boas is that people number one power feed them because they don't feed them correctly if they feed them like pythons and also just and then you at the end after a couple years you have this big boa and you don't know what to do with it so it inevitably goes on craigslist or something right or to someone because you don't know and they get those fat rolls and it just yeah oh my gosh hell yeah no i hate that and also i just think it would be cool because i don't see a lot of them around like i don't see locality boas enough and i think that just Mm -hmm. be cool to you know see more often yeah absolutely sizes and everything (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I think that's a good PSA. <laughs> Thank you for that, Kina. Um, <laughs> so when you kind of took the shotgun approach to getting into the, to reptiles and really, you know, got one of everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, have you noticed over the last few years of keeping that you've started to refine your interest and really find like mm-hmm. specific species or specific like boas versus pythons versus pitchwofus or something that you're like more into? So it's definitely shifted over the past couple of years. I know for a while I was really into pythons and then I was really, I was really deep into my picture off his face for a while. Mm-hmm. I still am, but I mean, they're so stinky. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but, they are. Um, it's gross. Are I scary. can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I have, I think I have like around seven or eight right now and they are just oh, like, whenever I walk into the facility, I'm like, that one pooped. I can smell mm-hmm. it from the doorway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... Uh, important thing to remember also this comes handy with like my plants is that for a while I just wanted to have everything just to be just to have everything just so I could say that I have this and this and this and for Mm -hmm. a little bit not recognizing and realizing that I should get what I'm passionate about keeping and what I want to keep not just what is cool to keep right now right um so there were a few moments where I would be like I kind of want this but it's like do I really want this or is it would it be like more of a status thing so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. past that stage now but that was definitely those are definitely thoughts that I did have and I feel like mm-hmm. some people struggle with especially starting out so how big was your collection do you think when you started with that mentality of like really deciding what I think you actually want like 10 maybe like 20 I'm currently at about 70 but that's including all the babies right now so mm-hmm. I mean there's like 20 uh, that comes 20 babies so that doesn't count mm-hmm. but um I mean right now it's some I still think about it uh, like at one point I was offered there's somebody local in my area who offered his bolens because he was like Jeez. I want to yeah he he offered it to me for like a pretty dumb cheap price I don't know if I'm allowed to say numbers you can I mean this isn't Facebook you're welcome to say it if you felt oh so oh, that's true so he was offering <laughs> me this Bolins I think for about like like a year old bowl you know two-year-old Bolins male for like six grand which is actually wow. just because it mm-hmm. was from nerd and mm-hmm. um because he wanted to sell his entire collection because he wanted to just travel 
because mm-hmm. he was like I kind of just I kind of wanted to travel for the next couple of years and obviously I can't keep snakes and I know mm-hmm. you're in the area and you're trustworthy and for a minute I not for a minute but like a couple of days I thought about it because um I was planning on putting that money towards some more breeding projects and some more cages but I'm like hmm Bolins uh but then I ended up declining it just because of like number one I think that um it would be more of like a look what I got sort of thing versus like do I actually want to keep it and Mm -hmm. I do want to keep them right now but I want to I was like I need to put this money towards cages I have so I want to get upgrades so I put my money towards upgrades instead and you know because those are not cheap animal plastics is crazy but I love them but they take all of them are crazy everyone Mm -hmm. is crazy you know and it's it is one of those things where that's oh god i fucking hate it when you have to turn down the animal you really want mm-hmm. i did yeah. that a couple weeks ago it was like uh, from a good friend and he was offering me a great price and i said yes and then i literally like the next day i was like i fucking can't like i can't yeah. logically i need to feed myself and feed my animals mm-hmm. and upgrade mm-hmm. them and it's hard and i think that's to me that that indicates a uh, growth as a keeper Because Mm -hmm. I think one of the things you notice when people get into it quickly, and this isn't towards you, this is just in general. Oh yeah, everybody has to know. Yeah, it's like you get babies and you're like, holy shit, we got all these babies. You keep getting Mm -hmm. more baby snakes, but they grow up and -hmm. they need three foot cages or they need a five slot snake rack that's going to cost you hundreds of dollars. And Mm -hmm. it it doesn't, it's not easy. Yeah. And I've ended up putting that money towards some like six foot cages for my for something for yeah I got some more cages uh and then I actually did put more money more of that money towards um the I think I posted about the leucistic hognose yeah and mm-hmm. thankfully uh the guy who was selling her I've bought a lot of hognoses from him so he's like you know I'll cut you this deal and you can just do a payment plan so that was like I can breathe a little bit okay I can buy lunch today <laughs> but it's also something I've been eyeing those for years and they've been you know tw- like in the beginning they were like 20 grand which is right I don't, I don't have that money who does who does <laughs> but yeah exactly yeah <laughs> like you think a reptile keeper just has that much money and they're not going to just spend it but um, <laughs> yeah again yeah and also yeah so that was a hard decision because I really was thinking about that bullets for a little bit but I ended up sending sending saying no so I think he's still trying to sell it, but you know, mm-hmm. it's just not something I realistically could have done right now. And also right. I am out of rodents. I needed to buy rodents and I needed cages. I needed like more heat panels and thermostats. And so I would just was like, no, I can't. I would love to, but I can't. Mm-hmm. So stepping back a minute, you mentioned your hognose that you just bought, which is gorgeous. Um, the leucistic hognose. And I think that hognose are really having like a rise in popularity. Um, I love to see it because I think they're a great species, but what was it to you that got you into them? And then where was that along your like keeping journey that you got into hognose specifically? So I actually, the two, my first two hognoses I got in trades. Um, one was like a trade for a crested gecko and I wasn't able, I had, I used to breed crested geckos and keep a lot of them, but it was getting to the point where um, in my school, I was gone almost all the time. And then I was also, I had a job and my husband was still living with his parents and he was just a boyfriend, girlfriend. And I'm just like, well, Crested Gecko is a little bit more high maintenance. 
mm-hmm. and you actually you know have to miss them every day and feed them every couple of days and a little bit more attention and to the point where I sold all of my crested geckos because I just couldn't mm-hmm. keep up with it and I just it is to- funny though to say mm-hmm. okay this is <laughs> it is funny when a snake person says that crested geckos <laughs> are high maintenance <laughs> because we're so As spoiled <laughs> I know that because the thing is I mean looking back now crested geckos are like the easiest in regards yeah. to like <laughs> yeah. geckos and you know all that but it's just like oh I'm the same way. I uh, I got into snakes first as my first like reptile keeping, and that's what I primarily do. And I have two geckos now, and I'm like, oh shit, yeah, they do need to be missed. Oh shit, I really do need to feed them every few days, and mm-hmm. it's hilarious because like some of my snakes change the water once a week. They don't shit until a month after that. Exactly, you know, it's the easiest yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was high maintenance for me at the at the time. So I mm-hmm. let them go, and I traded one of them for Venus, which is my big albino. Uh, she's just a normal albino female, and I love her to death. She's so cute. Mm-hmm. And another, and then the next trade was I think was also for another crested gecko with the male, and he's like a exanthic anaconda head albino. So I just bred them because uh, I just it works because he's a head albino, and so I like that. And hognose babies are adorable. They also they're just I just I like them a lot more than ball python babies but mm-hmm. I don't know just personally and I think the thing with hog noses in regards of okay so I have this thing with my husband where I talk about them as like an inventory vocabulary and then pet vocabulary because I don't like because I hate being referred to um, my snakes as inventory I hate that so much because they're more mm-hmm. than just inventory they're actual right. animals but in regards of inventory Hog noses are on the rise and they are not slowing down anytime soon, in my opinion. They're always available. They're always, people are always looking for them. And I think they're great, they're great starters because they stay small. And mm-hmm. again, that one of the biggest things with having a pet snake is the fear of, is it going to get huge, mm-hmm. you know? And they also, um, it's, if they go off of feed, that's usually, you know, that doesn't happen very often. Sometimes it does, mm-hmm. but not very often compared to p- pythons and stuff. But I just think they're good beginners and they're also, um, they're cute and there's a lot of different morphs and you know I like to, I like them a lot um so with are, the clutch you yeah. just got sorry go ahead oh no you're good I don't remember what I was gonna say <laughs> so <laughs> so with the clutch you just got um is this your first time breeding snakes uh no this is I am currently on my fifth hognose clutch of the year okay awesome so you've like had a lot of hognose mm-hmm. clutches mm-hmm. do you notice so what I've part is that they are tougher to get started what do you do to to get your hog nose started so uh usually i just like first first round uh, i'll just give them i'll throw them all like a pinky mouse i usually i like to do unscented because i've noticed if you scent stuff then they get hooked onto it and then if you try to unscent it it's sort of difficult to get them off so mm-hmm. what i'll do is I, I make Spencer, I make Spencer do it. Cause I have shaky hands. Um, he'll assist feed them like mouse tails. And usually they mm-hmm. need one or two mouse tails and then they start to eat on their own. And that's pretty mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. And I usually so, don't let anything go. And after until like six, seven meals or so. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. How big are hog noses when they hatch? They are, I've, I last, the clutch that I just hatched out has this female little albino that's 1.5 grams oh and I feel God. like I'm gonna break her when I touch her she is I because I the thing is I I can't feed her uh pinkies uh, I I even tried to just do like a head and that was still almost too big for her so I oh used to my do God. tails right now she's so tiny little um, baby mm-hmm. they're crazy Jeez. I love them 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely would love to get a hog nose. It's on the list of, of animals mm-hmm. that, you know, I, yeah, everyone has that list of like, when I have money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same. Have space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, on my that's list. all of us. Mm-hmm. So with the hog nose, um, when you're breeding, what is your, like, walk me through your husbandry for like hog nose through life stages. Mm-hmm. And then also, how do you prepare them for breeding? Do you do temperature drops, brumation? Mm-hmm. So basically a lot of my adults back at the facility are in 41 quarts. I tried to put one of my adults in like a terrarium, but she hated it so much that she didn't eat. So mm-hmm. I put her back in a rack because I just, but even in the racks, I, my rule of thumb is at least, at least one hide, but I try to give two on either side and then water, of course, and like some foliage if, you know, permitting. Right. Um, and usually on Aspen chips. And then for brumation, I will uh, cool them. So what I, I have this system with a couple other hognose breeders where on Halloween, that's when you turn off heat. Uh, Thanksgiving is when you put them into brumation and then you take them out on, on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you notice over that time that um, they're losing any weight or do they tend to go into artificial brumation fairly well? I usually, I actually take them out every week and weigh them just to be safe. And if they mm-hmm. lose more than like five grams and I'll take them out early or something, but it's, mm-hmm. it's natural if they lose like a gram or two, but I check them pretty often. Cause I get scared. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I can imagine. Yeah. So then after they've gone through brumation and, and they're ready to breed, um, first off, how do you indicate if an animal is ready to go into brumation and then, uh, mm-hmm. breed and then what is the process like for actual breeding for you? So for the first question, I actually, uh, the minimum they require is the female should be at least, be at least two years old. I wait three years just to be safe. Cause I don't want to just like, as soon as you're ready, you're going to go have sex. But, um, so I, I wait until she's about three years old and about 200 grams. And they're usually about 200. And then for males about my male is, a uh, 90 and hundred. I think the minimum is like 70. Um, and I think also about two years old, but some males have bred at one year old, which is crazy. Yeah, um, I, I never can get over the size difference between hog noses. <laughs> it's so funny because my seeing them in together is hilarious because he will just like ride her and it's just it makes me laugh so hard. But um, it's like if you put a pencil next yeah. to a hot dog. Exactly. Like that's what I see exactly. every time. <laughs> it's so funny to watch because I'm like, this works, but it shouldn't but it does but it does and then, i'm not gonna stop it and then basically when i take them out i let them uh, acclimate to temp- temperatures again and then i think after i wait a week or two and then i'll feed them once or twice and then i usually usually you throw them into lock and then you um the thing is with the first time i bred i mm-hmm. didn't know that because i had bred ball pythons in the past and they usually take a couple of locks until you know eggs but after one lock i got eggs after an, wow. after about only three weeks, three, four weeks, I got eggs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I am not prepared for this. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so how long do you keep your male in with your female? Do you visually like, look for locks and then remove mm-hmm. them? Yeah. I usually, I think I leave them in for about three, longest, maybe three days at a time. And then I, I take them out. But so far my, the male that I have has given each female a double clutch. And I don't know if that's just the females or him or his, I call it his super sperm. Good for him. Cause yeah, good for him. Exactly. So, so when your female lays, do you, um, do anything to help get her back up to size or, or like aftercare essentially for after the laying process? So I usually, uh, I don't feed every day, but I will feed every like 
three, five days, kind of like right after they poop, I'll just kind of just to get, cause they usually get pretty fucked skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, uh, the first clutch I got, I think I had 15 eggs and then the sec, um, yeah, they get, they give me double digit clutches, which is a lot. So I try to just give them some mice or something. And usually they do double clutch. So I try to make sure and keep an eye on them because the first year I didn't catch the double clutch. I kind of wanted to leave her alone and just, I don't want to stress her out. Cause I was like mm-hmm. imagining she would have been stressed out after laying the first time. And she actually had another clutch, but I didn't catch it because I kind of want to leave her alone. So mm-hmm. now this time I knew to actually kind of just check in more often, but right. Yeah. So with man. the double clutching, how long is it in between? It can be, I think mine was a month. Oh, between. wow. It's very quick. Yeah. It was fast. Yeah. It was, I was like, Oh my God, I can't, I need a bigger incubator. Yeah. So when they have ultimately hatch out, are you separating the babies immediately or are you waiting for the first shed? So actually they shed really quickly. They shed mm-hmm. within three days or so. So I okay. kind of let them all, um, I wait till they all hatch out and then I usually separate them. Mm-hmm. And then walk me through from that stage to adulthood. What is your husbandry like? Uh, so in the beginning, paper towels just to monitor poop or whatever, and just to keep it really clean. Uh, and I put them, I have the colubrid hatchling rack from sea serpents. And I really mm-hmm. like that one. Uh, and then from there, I don't know the sizes and what they're called, but it's like, but I have this combo rack where there's, there's like some skinny tubs and mm-hmm. then I call this like, pencil tubs. Yeah. Like pencil tubs. So I put them in there. Um, and basically husbandry is just like Aspen chips. And I think my, um, thermostat is set to like 88 or 90 and my mm-hmm. ambient room temperature is like 76 ish. And then mm-hmm. I like to feed them mice, um, from babies every five days or so older every like seven days it kind of just really depends um mm-hmm. and I have one I have one um hognose that only likes mice but she's like a huge adult female so I have to find jumbo mice for her but sometimes I'll feed them rats especially mm-hmm. right after their uh clutch just to get some more weight and protein back into their system right so with your collection as a whole um if you're giving mice and rats do you uh vary the diet with any of your animals like with different yeah. uh, items so I actually, occasionally I buy, it's like a hundred pack of chicks from this one guy about an hour away. And I like to give those to different snakes. Just, I give them to my pits and I mm-hmm. sometimes regret it because their poop is horrifying afterwards. <laughs> and I've given them to, sometimes I've given, I've offered them to some of like my ball pythons, but they don't like them. So, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll offer them to anyone who wants to eat them. That's in that relative size range. And sometimes quail. Um, a couple of times I've tried to feed fish to my false water cobra and she likes that. So maybe I'll do that more. I just keep forgetting, but I kind of mm-hmm. just do chicks. Like chicks are my main, chicks and quail are my main like alternative for stuff because okay, awesome. I like to vary it up a little bit. Yeah. So um, this is just like a plug because I was reading an article earlier today. The Herpeticulture magazine had an, uh, an article out about varying prey and mm-hmm. varying the diet. So if you haven't read that yet, I recommend that everyone goes in and checks out Herpeticulture magazine because they're great. Are you tired of changing a reptile's UVB light every six months? Well, VivTech products has the perfect bulb for you. The VivTech SureSun series UVB and UVA bulb has a typical four-year lifespan with no UVB degradation. That means that your pet will always have the UVB and UVA they need, all while you save up to $400 over the life of the bulb. VivTech, providing a better life for reptiles in our homes and the wild through innovative husbandry. 
enjoy the rest of the episode. So something you've talked about a couple times is, and, and I admire is like not wanting to speak to your animals as inventory, but mm-hmm. also recognizing that there's a difference between your breeder species, excuse me, your breeder specimen, and then your pets. Mm-hmm. To you, how do you delineate between the two and decide whether a new species you're bringing in or an animal that you have is for a future breeding project or is just as a pet for the hobby? So I actually had this conversation a couple of days ago with Spencer um, where, uh, um, so I have sort of made this rule for myself that I want to breed what I want to keep. And of mm-hmm. course there are like, um, people have said breeding corns is like a breeze because they're easy colubrids and I've just never had an interest in corn snakes. And I've just like, you know, they, cool, sure I could, you know, easily buy a bunch of adults and they would sell really easily because, you know, corn snakes are really easy, but it's just not something that I want to keep. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. And I like to, I want to keep something else. Mm-hmm. And there are other people. Um, and I actually do have a few snakes that have, I would say disabilities I guess mainly like a lot of like weird kinks and stuff Mm -hmm. I have really bad um yeah just like kinks in their tail I have one bull snake that somebody gave me and I can't even describe it but his tail like his tail ends off it's like ends off but then oh it's so hard to explain but basically his tail is fucked in in Mm -hmm. lack of better words his his tail is fucked he could never breed ever like he is just 100% pet quality and while I do want to breed pits, I just like him as a pet because he's angry and he's sassy. Mm-hmm. And I just think he's super cute. And theoretically, I mean, he is a white, he's like a white sided. So that could make money. But again, I'm just not going to do that because I just view him as my pet. And his name is uh, Split because it looks like his tail is split in half. It's, it's, so oh, wow. Weird. I need yeah. to see a picture of this. Oh, yeah. I'll goodness. send it to you sometime. It's crazy. Yeah, if you get a picture, I'll post it if that's cool. Yeah, so sure. People can uh, see. Yeah. Yeah, and there was also a, another boa that I have. Her name is, again, her name's Luna. It's kind of generic, but she is a moon glow. And those as babies go for like a grand. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I, this could be a money-making opportunity, but she has like the worst tail, like back tail kink I have probably seen that's livable because mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, just a normal thing, she goes, she's, it's like, meh. like, it's horrible. I don't know wow. how, I low-key don't know how she's alive, but um. Cause I went to a vet and basically they just recommended to feed her uh, smaller meals because they don't want it to like rupture or something, something mm-hmm. because it's like, it's really close to her, her asshole, <laughs> but yeah. basically just feed her smaller. So it's just not too crazy, but she's fine right now. And she, I've had her for like two years and she's mm-hmm. relatively really small compared to my other boas, but it's just because I try to feed her a lot smaller and not mm-hmm. as frequently just to make sure she's healthy and her butthole doesn't explode or anything. I mean, that is always the goal, you know, no yeah. exploding buttholes. Yeah, that's, that's, my, oh, that's actually why you know. I'm, that's actually why I'm into snakes, just to make sure no one's buttholes explodes. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I have a lot of animals that, again, I, if I wanted to, I could breed them and make money. Like for ex- Cecilia, for example, my, my big retic, because um, she is, again, I don't know if it's actually true, but the guy who sold her to me said she is actually from Nerd. Um, so again, if theoretically I was to breed her and I find a really cool male, I could make those babies. But personally, again, I don't know your stance on it, but again, I love retics, but the market is a little bit oversaturated. And also I just don't trust the general public with a huge snake like mm-hmm. that, you mm-hmm. know, um, of course there are key people I know that would take care of them, but it's a, such a select few people. Yeah. I think that's a, a great point to make. And 
I don't have big snakes, so I feel like I don't really have a place to have an opinion on that. Um, but I can totally understand where you're coming from. And I'm curious with that specifically, what are the conversations that are occurring in the large snake community around like ethical breeding and vetting, like who these animals are going to specifically because one of the species that you have told me you want to breed is yellow anacondas. So while that's not Mm -hmm. an oversaturated part of the market, I can understand, I can imagine that there's a similar fear of, of big snakes getting in the wrong Mm -hmm. hands. Yeah. So it's kind of like, for me, I have a pair of greens that somebody actually just gave to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have no intention of breeding them, like maybe, but as of right now, I have no intention of breeding them because mm-hmm. while yellow anacondas are on the smaller side, like, you know, and more people are probably capable, green anacondas get a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, you know, but, um, but just, I just don't know if I could trust like just the average person with that, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I have berms. I don't really want to breed berms either. Um, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think like the, as of right now, I actually lo- uh, left a few reptile groups because some of them are just getting really toxic, but I know mm-hmm. it's still a conversation of retic breeders of, you know, ethical breeding. Um, it's really hard because you get into it. A lot of breeders get into it thinking they just want to make the big bucks and some do, but it's very rare. And then mm-hmm. on the other off- offhand, you know, you have your first clutch and then you can't sell all of your baby snakes, all of your baby retics. And then what? You know, they right. go up on Craigslist or you sell wholesale them to somebody, to some pet store and the pet store sells it to somebody who doesn't know what they're getting into. And then, you know, there's a possibility of danger and just not treating the snake ethically. And it's just, it's a really tricky conversation, but it's something that I will talk about because again, when I first started out, of course, in the very beginning, I was like, maybe I'll breed retakes one day. I'll breed everything one day mm-hmm. and it will be a return on investment. But then realizing that's not what this is. It's not return on investment I mean in regards of money it's just like you know the animal and in their enjoyment and and all of that stuff so when you you do have these large animals what is your husband like for an adult pair of green anacondas so right now they're still pretty young they're like you're like a year old uh they're Mm -hmm. just like these they're they're in four foots right now but eventually I like to my goal is to get at least eight foots for them as adults, maybe 10 foots. It kind of just depends. Mm-hmm. But right mm-hmm. now, Cecilia, she's about, I would say she's about 13, 14 feet. Um, wow. And she utilizes her, her eight foot decently. She's kind of dumb. I, I, I love her, but she's kind of dumb sometimes. But... <laughs> In what way? <laughs> uh, she's just, I don't even know how to explain it it's just something you have to see in person but she likes to um I had her in a six foot for a while mm-hmm. and uh, she was in a six by three by 18 and I was told you could keep her in there for life there are mm-hmm. like people were like yeah I have a 16 17 foot female in a six foot and she's fine and so for a while I was like okay so I could just keep her in here forever but then I noticed she was unhappy she was rubbing her face and she hated being in there so I got her something almost twice as not almost twice as big but from a six foot to an eight foot and it's also like it's two feet tall no it's three it's an eight by three by three my bad mm-hmm. it's a lot bigger it has more a lot more space I actually uh, paid somebody to make a custom hide for her that she can you know go under and then also perch on top of it then she can bask under there so just trying to utilize a lot more space and she's happier but mm-hmm. she's still kind of stupid because even just yesterday I was trying, I took her out to clean and I put her in a tub and she rubbed her face so hard that 
she has a little bit she she hit her nose a little bit because she was rubbing so hard to get out of the tub while we were cleaning and wow. i'm like dude and that's like 15 minutes like yeah it was like 15 20 minutes because we were do- but we were doing a deep clean like we took yeah, everything out but um mm. yeah so i like to utilize space i know there's this whole you've probably heard of it of like the minimum of or i think people the, the rule that someone made up is that it's like you take the snake's length and then you can cut that in half and that's okay for the rest of it. So it's something really dumb. And right. I don't like that rule because that's not really true. There are some snakes of mine that I give them a lot of room and they don't do anything. And they're just like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay here for a whole week. And I have some snakes that utilize a lot of the room. And I think it's also, also just, I don't like this whole minimum requirement thing. It's, it's weird to me because mm-hmm. I think it should be based off of snake and species and requirements and, and all that. I don't like this whole minimum thing because it makes me think that people just try to get the minimum for everything and then they get more and then don't utilize the snakes in there that they already have. Right. So then with most of your species, are you, do you keep anything bioactive? Are you pretty sterile? Like what's your substrate setup or your actual enclosures like? Cause with a so, large collection, I can imagine that upkeep can be difficult. So uh, a lot of my stuff, and this is like, it's like somewhat controversial. I have a lot of my stuff on like liners and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I like to be really sanitary. I know that it's, it's this, it's again, a, like a debate of using substrate. I have some stuff on substrate, mm-hmm. um, but I'm always very, I always, I clean them out almost every week, but um, I like to be more on the sterile side of stuff, um, mm-hmm. especially right now. But now that we're in the facility and we have more room, I do, I have, I put in a large order of like cocoa blocks and want to do more with substrate, but they, we did an experiment in middle school. No, I'm not middle school. I was in college. What am I talking about? <laughs> Where we got, they got, I don't remember what the assignment was or what the context was, but we had some dirt or something. We had something mm-hmm. and we put cow pee in it. And then we observed the bacteria over like a week mm-hmm. and it just got really gross. And my mind immediately went to, you know, if you use like substrate again, I don't, I'm not knocking substrate right. because substrate's totally fine. But, but I mean, there are some people that will just like not touch substrate for like months and months until it gets really nasty. And I just, my mind, I just could not do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, um, you're also very dedicated to like regular cleaning and, <laughs> and yeah. maintenance. And you see, I can imagine how something like that puts like a little, just a little tickle in your brain of, mm-hmm. of it, would just, and- it just throws me off of just like them. I mean, if you do spot clean, like vis- visible feces, there's still like pee and I just don't like the idea of bacteria just hanging out that's just me but you know everyone's different yeah well makes sense you know um so are you offering any of your animals um supplemental like UVB UVA or or no no Um, judgment just just curious oh yeah I have I have some like uh, my boyga she has the uh, UVA my rattlesnakes the ones in malamines have the UVA um while we're getting everything moved in I want to I'm trying to get more lights Mm mm-hmm but it's something. But at the same time, um, the, the reason why I chose the facility that we have, it has a huge window where I can just let all like the light in. But again, I do want to get more lights because it's something that I've been a little bit slacking on. But mm-hmm. um, at the same time, some of the stuff that I have like to bury a lot, anyways. But right. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you keep saying your facility, and for people who don't know, you oh, recently yeah. rented a facility, mm-hmm. so your animals are no longer in your house. Mm-hmm. Why did you make that decision and how has that affected how you like interact with your collection? So I actually um, 
we're actually moving to another house and it's a lot of us it's a much smaller house mm-hmm. and um I don't I didn't think that we mapped out everything we took measurements but like I don't think I could keep everything that I wanted so we rented out this facility it's about 10 minutes from our new house and I think it just gives me a better opportunity to get all of the upgrades that I want because mm-hmm. I know for some of them I wasn't necessarily like pushing again like house city was in that six foot I'm like I need to get her an eight foot stat I hate this and that was one of the big decisions of like, I want to get Cecilia a bigger enclosure because I don't even know if an eight foot is going to be her last enclosure. I might want to mm-hmm. go bigger mm-hmm. just because again, she's my baby and I love her a lot. And she's one of my most like, not, I wouldn't say prized possessions because again, that just makes it seem weird, but she is one of my favorite snakes and I want to spoil the ever living hell out of her, especially mm-hmm. again, I want to do that with everybody, but her especially because she's also a lot, the biggest snake I have. Right. Um, and with this opportunity, plus, um, my house was also my room was also just getting crowded and uh this opens up the opportunity we've thought about going storefront we've had that discussion but we're not 100 percent sure yet just because that'd be a lot of added stress and mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff and then but again for right now it's just where we have everything um right now in my house i still have like the babies with me i have a couple of more i have a, like some of the smaller and more sensitive snakes like um one of my boy is still at the house with me just keep an eye on her, which is a little weird sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I have um, some of like the younger snakes and like the baby ball pythons that I just hatched. But other than that, everything else is at the facility. And we go there every every other day because mm-hmm. it's about so, 45 minutes away. So it's 45 minutes away from where you are now. Mm-hmm. That's tough. How was that yeah. moving process of everything? It was actually not that hard because we. my mom has um one of her friends is a mover so he was able to give us a good deal with just moving everything we did it in one go mm-hmm. that's nice yeah geez you had to find some movers who aren't afraid of you know so the snakes. We, we packed yeah we packed up everything in like tubs before we, we right. went there of so, course yeah whew, it was just cages but mm-hmm. um yeah again i like to also um i can because uh, there's two rooms and also um there's a room in the back so i can have like an actual proper I, I had a quarantine room here it was just like my guest the guest room but like mm-hmm. I have like an actual official quarantine room now because there's a room that's in so the good back. Mm-hmm. there's two in the back so I'm happy about that so what does your quarantine like look like for your species so it seems like most of the animals you're getting it doesn't seem like you're working with a lot of wild caught animals right yeah I no I'm not um I the wild caught that I have are like like the like the long-term captives are the um white lips Mm-hmm. and stuff like that but um anyways um but anything that I would buy I, I actually never have done an import or anything now that I think about it I mm-hmm. think most of the wild caught stuff that I've had is either like a long-term captive by somebody else like I've never had a fresh import or I don't mm-hmm. I don't like that I don't like that that much but it's difficult it's, mm-hmm. it's not the easiest so mm-hmm. what does your quarantine look like um so for anything like for example I get um let's just say like a, a, a ball python from somebody on morph market i'll just quarantine for 30 days mm-hmm. um but when i did get i think like the closest to an import that i got was um a friend was selling uh it was one of my boyga the other female boyga and i mm-hmm. quarantined her for 60 days because he said she was having some weird poops so i kind of just kept an eye on that and kept her in a different room no she's mm-hmm. fine good so then how did you find a landlord for this facility that was okay with like 70 snakes is so that something I, I was, you had to disclose or yeah, did you market so, yourself as a pet store 
So I actually was honest and I was just like, I just want a property where I can keep my snakes because I have a lot and I can't keep them in my house mm-hmm. right now because I don't have the room. Uh, so I actually went through about four different places that rejected me. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to feel hopeless of like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever find a place. But we tried one last place and he was actually just like, hell yeah, because uh, a couple of years ago, somebody that I'm friends with in the community did his like son's birthday party, with, like a bunch of snakes. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, snakes, I don't, I don't mind. He's just like, just keep the place clean and don't make sure it's not smelling. I'm like, yeah, for sure. Of course. And that was his only requirement. And that was a breath of fresh air because I was not sure if I was going to be able to find a place. Yeah, that's I. What were your requirements when you're looking for something? Mm. I wanted something besides space. Um, obviously like AC controlled unit. Um, yeah, and that was. I mean, also uh, I wanted it to be somewhere not hidden. I don't know if that makes any sense, but hidden away. I wanted Mm -hmm. it to to have somewhat of a public view, just in case we get robbed and there's other people that could have been around and stuff like that. Right. Um, and also just like, you know, would, would, uh, I can't remember, but it was, the mic requirements were actually not that I didn't have high standards because I just wanted yeah. a place. Do you have, is it a standalone building or are you working with neighbors? There's um, three more uh, residents to my, like, like on my right. And they know we have snakes and they don't really care. I think at one point, one of them wants to come over at some point for something, but yeah, yeah they're fine with it. That's mm-hmm. so cool. I I think that's like what a dream to have a facility. You know, most people have it in their backyard. You just, you know, put it on the main road. Um, so when you talk about the future of potentially making it a storefront, do you have a dream to like open up a pet store? Would it be more like exhibit based? What would I, that mean? I am not sure. That's still something we've stuck. I know that I've talked about with because my husband, he's actually starting to uh he got it like he's into isopods right now. <laughs> I was like, that's his little thing. Love and it. so we've talked about like maybe in the future, like in the far, far future, we could have, if we had a store, we could have it as a place where it could have plants, like for, and you can get everything for a bioactive setup. Like you can kind of pick and choose. I wanted these plants, these plants, mm-hmm. and these isopods and this and this. And you can make your own uh, bioactive thing. We've talked about that. So maybe that's that so will come cool. one day. When, when Costa Farms brings down the price of Thai constellations. <laughs> You could just throw oh that God. in a crested gecko setup. Can you even imagine? I wish. God. What a flex. There was there were a couple people that were talking about how they just won because there was a giveaway. Some people won the giveaway, and I'm like, what? Yeah. So for people who don't know, a Thai constellation is a species of <laughs> Monstera deliciosa, and it is it its own species? Way too expensive. It's like insane. I think it. Well, I know that it was. I know it was created in like a lab in Thai in, in Thailand because it's obviously right. So it's like but... a variegated plant. And they had a giveaway in Cincinnati for 100 of them, okay, for $100 each, 100 of them at a Kroger, which is a grocery store. And I had a friend sleep in the grocery store parking lot from did 8 she get p.m. One? Yes, she did. She got oh, there at hell 8 yeah. p.m. She slept there for 12 hours. She stayed in a parking lot. I, was like, I love plants, but I don't, I have, I have, for a Thai constellation, I have a little chunk. So, I have I have a little one I grew from a trunk because I'm going to send you like a picture it. of the one she got right now as we're talking because it's so insane and I'll just maybe I'll cut this out maybe I'll just let people you know imagine this gorgeous plant this plant if she had bought just this plant it probably would have cost her it probably be like hundred dollars it's a yeah, full crazy. adult plant that that would yeah that would be two to three grand I swear holy crap like people think that 
like reptile people are crazy. <laughs> I spent $25 on a leaf the other day, a leaf. <laughs> and I hope it gets roots. <laughs> when you're, when you're a plant in the plant community and the snake community, you're kind of screwed. You're broke forever. That's kind of just the rule. Yeah, absolutely. It's like every apartment has to have natural light and a lot of outlets. Yeah. Which is very hard to find. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm glad that my new place, the only thing, the only annoying thing about the, the facility is that there's these some whack ass out like wiring going on because in the back there's this one breaker if you turn it on one set of lights in the front room comes on and one set in the um of lights in the back room comes on and all the outlets on the wall on one side of the wall so it's super tricky like it's not there's not one breaker for just all the outlets all the lights mm-hmm. it's super weird so that's- so I had to like unscrew them because they were just on all the time. And I'm like, I hate this. We're wasting, we're wasting power. Yeah. My, um, the apartment I moved in now, it's so weird. Um, the hallway in my apartment, the light switch is outside my apartment. So if someone is outside my apartment, they can just turn my lights on. <laughs> and so like at night I'll be in my PJs and I like open my apartment door and like shut off the lights. So that are weird. Outside. I would super old house i mean it's like i think this building was built in the 1860s super old but yeah i love it um but yeah your plants are incredible and i think that's so fun that we can talk about that too but i really want to talk about um your art as well so when i first quote unquote met you Mm -hmm. i think you popped up on my um just instagram discover page or another page I follow had shared your artwork. And a lot of what you do is, okay, it's called offensive resin for a pro- for a reason. It's like beautiful art. This is very like inappropriate things. I mean, inappropriate <laughs> is like, you know, you know, subjective, but it'll be like a day literally. And then I'll say anal fisher or something crazy, <laughs> <laughs> which I'd love for you to make yeah. personally. <laughs> but you use a lot of your like snake shed and like snake oh. imagery in your art. Mm-hmm. Have you always been artistic and drawn from nature or is that something? Oh, I can't draw for shit. Hobby? I can't yeah. draw for shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, with your, with your, uh, with your, the resin art. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just started it again. I started it because of court. No, I started it like a little bit before quarantine. I saw it on TikTok and I was like, cause I did resin. I had a resin kit when I was in middle school and I did like one pour and I was like, this is weird. I don't like it. And then I got mm-hmm. back into it. And it's really strange because I took this mar- this psychology marketing class in college and it really opened my eyes up in regards of the market and just how to mar- how to attract people. And I noticed when I started doing resin, there was a lot of it was like a lot of, again, I, not that I hate it, but a lot of flowers, a lot of glitter, a lot of, you know, stuff like that. It's very stereotypically it. yeah. like feminine. Yeah. And I, again, not that I hate it, but it's just like, I want to make something that's not that, you know, different. And I have always been, I would say very pro, like I, I, I curse a lot. I'm actually holding back a lot. Oh, you don't have to. I curse You're a good. lot. Oh, okay. You don't have Fuck to. <laughs> so um, I just thought that, you know, I, I, I think that one of the first pieces I ever made was like Epstein didn't kill himself. And I, it actually, a lot of people liked it. And then the, like one of the second resin things I made was like a dick mm-hmm. <laughs> and I call it my I call it decor and from there I just um this other besides you know just it's something different it made a lot of people laugh and people would say you know like I was having a shitty day and I saw this like really funny thing that you made and I loved it and I like that because um 
I just think it's important to have something that is again, again, not that I'm knocking all the flowers and the glitter because I love I love those too. Mm-hmm. But at this point, a lot of uh, resin artists are making the same almost the same thing with the same supplies from the same person, mm-hmm. the same people, and it's almost like where's the individuality? And I just thought it'd be cool to add my little twist to it. So I think it, it, it's doing great. It was doing great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. is that something that you like would like to make your full-time gig are you able to do that or, or I would love looking? to I would love to I would I'm again uh, I was planning maybe on using the either using the back room or maybe the guest room in our new house for it I had I needed to decide which would be better mm-hmm. um but again I really like it it's a lot of fun and uh again, it's just I like even even with my snakes I want to create this atmosphere of when you come to me you're gonna get something different because mm-hmm. Like when I, when someone inquires about a snake, I try to talk to them and walk them through it and just try to, to really be there for them. And I understand with a lot of breeders, they just don't have the time to have that one-to-one, but I try my best to actually, you know, get to know you a little bit. What's your care like? You know, are you wanting a pet or a breeder or blah, 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 blah. Um, and I always like send my um, business card. And after that, after a while, I'll maybe catch up and see like, hey, how is, how is she doing? How is he or she doing? Um, and I'll follow them on Instagram. I just like to see the updates and just, I want to, it to be more of a personal experience rather than just like buying it from someone random. One of the things that is like fun about you is that you are like, you care a lot about your animals, even though you are able to make money from it and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, a question I wanted to ask you, um, and I'll cut this out if you don't want me to ask. So please oh, you're fine. Know. Do you, so people get into hobbies like you said you were looking for a support animal was it Mm -hmm. so people get into hobbies for like relaxation for mental health relief for like things to calm us down and i think with reptiles plants as well anyone who gets like really deep into these hobbies quickly it can become less of a joy and more of a stressor um something you're vocal about and then i am as well is like struggles with mental health issues Mm -hmm. how do you balance that and still maintaining this passion and following up with people who buy your animals while also like trying to stay enthusiastic and caring for these animals at the same time i honestly i i honestly uh owe a lot of it to spencer because he kind of keeps me grounded but i do get overwhelmed very quickly and what this is sort of my like weird, my, my almost like my toxic trait is that I will overwork myself to the point of exhaustion mm-hmm. and just to the point where I'm working so much that I can't think it is. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm, yeah, I work 100%. so much that I'm not thinking my own thoughts and he helps me to just slow down. And because I used to be at a point where I would work, I felt like I was working 24 seven. If I wasn't like, I, I didn't know relaxation. Um, if I was on my phone, I would be either like talking to some like a potential customer or I was on Instagram looking at more molds to buy or looking at inventory or doing something. Uh, I've gotten a lot better, but um, it used to be a big struggle. And even because when I got into plants, I just wanted it as a hobby. It was quarantine. I wanted something to do. I was just in my house all the time. And then it became quickly of like, oh my God, like I want to get everything, like everybody on Instagram. But of course I was able to be like, wait, what do I actually like? Like, what do I like? And what does, you know, what's seemed as cool? So mm-hmm. thankfully, again, plants are a lot more different than animals because it's just, you know, plants. But um, I think I overwhelm myself a little bit quickly, but just trying to find a balance. It's definitely hard. I've nowhere you're uh, mastering it. 
So, so then what is Spencer's interaction? So Spencer is your husband. You mentioned Mm -hmm. that you met him, you know, with your snake the first time in college. Um, But what is his interaction level with the animals or with the hobby itself outside the isopods? So he, I, I treasure him a lot because I was actually dating somebody else before him, obviously. And when I, when I kept, first kept snakes and they're like, eh, okay, cool. But you know, but he never helped me out with anything. If I told him I like, look at this, whatever, he'd be like, okay, whatever. He was very dismissive and we broke up because I just wasn't vibing. But with Spencer, he is, he basically dives deep into whatever I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And I love that. So when, the, when there are days where I'm just really busy or I just can't clean the animals, he's like, oh, I'll do it. I'm fine with it. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of animals of mine that he's like, I claim this one as mine, even though you paid for it, I'm claiming it and I'll clean it. I promise. Uh, like he hit, like my false water Cobra is basically his and he loves her and he handles her the most. Um, and he likes to feed like when we got this one time we got, we fed fish he was just like feeding like the little fish to her. It was super fun. Mm-hmm. And the reason he got into isopods was actually um, because again, this is a little bit of a backstory, but there was this, there are these people I'm not going to name that basically they were just big bullies in the community at the time. And mm-hmm. we kind of crossed their, like we, I'd, we crossed paths and we didn't get along. And there was one of them had said like to Spencer, like you're a nobody. The only reason why people like you is because, you know, they know Akina. Like you're nobody, and I think from there, um, obviously, I was like, "That's shitty. Why would you ever say that?" Um, obviously, mm-hmm. knowing that they were just saying that to push buttons. But for a while, I was, I you know, um, because I would say, "Spencer, do you want to get into anything? Do you want to get into geckos? Do you want to get into chameleons? Like, do you want something of your own?" Mm-hmm. And he would say, "No, I like you know just being known, like with you. I like it." And I've been like, "Okay." But he got into isopods lately just because I, I didn't push him, but I said like, hun, I want you to have something that is your specialty. I want you to teach me about stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to tell me, look at this new something, something. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I just would think that because even on my business card, I have both of us listed and this associate, because when I go to expos, a lot of people know me mainly because I'm very active on social media and Spencer like low-key doesn't know how to use Facebook. <laughs> he's like he's like, he's like how do i friend someone <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, did dude. they see my message no yeah but i'm like <laughs> but um with the reptiles he has no hesitation the only hesitation he does have is with the rattlesnakes mm-hmm. and he's like i honestly Which is like healthy like, healthy hesitation yeah. there he's but the thing is like he'll be with me in the room if i'm ha- like if i'm like changing like you know like cleaning him out just for safety in case something happens like that's my rule like i want you mm-hmm. to be there if not if you're not with me at least be on the phone if you're somewhere because mm-hmm. i need you know also with the big constrictors i don't hand them on my own because they're and then again they don't do i've never cecilia has never lashed out at me but mm-hmm. just in case something happens i'm always i always have him there well you're not you're not very tall no offense i mean it's just a fact yeah. no you're it's fine i'm no it's true it's fine <laughs> like like i remember the first time you know i'd seen pictures of your animals and the first time i saw you and cecilia i was like oh oh my <laughs> and then it's like Wait. i was like I was like, like, how big is Kina? (laughs) I need like a banana for scale. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad that he's really, because I was, I was always afraid that I've always wanted a partner that would be passionate about the same things that I was. And I haven't had the best relationships, but I, I don't know. God was mainly like, you can have a good one for all your hard work. So Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and for all like, the legwork you put in. Yeah. So even now when I'm, cause I was telling him a couple of days ago, like I, if I ever get into rep, new species of reptiles, cause again, like I said, I'm really into rat snakes. Like I think that cave dwelling rat snakes are super cool. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, you know, if you ever um, come across them, we should get, we should get them. They're cool. I like them too. And mm-hmm. it's just having a very supportive partner is amazing. Um, and I, I, I couldn't ask for anything more, honestly. Yeah. That's so awesome. It's, it's so good to have someone in your corner like that. As we're thinking towards like the future and you mentioned cave drilling rat snakes being uh, four years into keeping you're still new, you know, I am too. (laughs) And so I think like, where do you see yourself in five years? Where would you like your collection to develop? Are there species that you're really trying to lean into or move away from? How does that look? So my, I know one thing that I really want to do, I, again, I tried this year, but I got into success with my Southern white lip pythons. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I've talked about with some other people is that, again, I understand, I'm very icky, iffy, not icky, but iffy about importing mm-hmm. because um, I'm not the biggest fan of it in concept because, you know, just kind of snatching an animal out of the wild to sell it for money and to usually have it die is not great. And, but the thing is my white lips were both long-term captives. So they were wild caught at one point, but um, when Mm -hmm. I bought both of them, they were already established and had been in captivity for a couple of years. Um, I don't like fresh imports. And I think that um, something I want to do is create more, is is attempt to breed some species that are more on the wild caught side and have more captive breads. Mm -hmm. Number one, to kind of maybe... Again, one clutch won't really do much, but in the bigger picture to maybe have more clutches that will slowly put an end to importing. Again, I, I think, for, again, I don't want to say like never import again, but I just don't like how much it, how normal it's almost become. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, weird. and I think, I think when you think of the species you're working with specifically, it's with some species, it's, it's easier to get you know, captive mm-hmm. bred animals, but it's cheaper mm-hmm. to get wild caught. And that's where the problem mm-hmm. lies. Um, mm-hmm. So specifically with your white lips, I totally forgot to ask you about this. White lips oh, and then yeah, also yeah. the white lips. And then also um, you mentioned the anacondas. How do you deal with species that are um, like angrier, more defensive animals? White lips so are notorious I- for us. And you mentioned that you have a yellow anaconda that's just like mean. So I've only had the yellow for a couple of months and mm-hmm. lately what we've been doing is mainly just going in with the hook right now to just figure it out. Um, but mm-hmm. our main system right now is that we have her water and she'll climb in the water and then we put a lid on the water and then we clean her out. We do that like every once every once every two weeks or so. Mm-hmm. And in regards of handling her, she, so she used to be the person I got her from kept her in like not great conditions. Like she was, she's a 10 foot snake and she was kept in the three foot enclosure which was what yeah I was like excuse me but um so she and she was just not touched she was kind of just bred and then Mm -hmm. not really touched and Mm -hmm. obviously why she's angry and I I get that so whenever I steer try to at least do a little bit of touching sometimes like I'll able to like touch her back for a little bit before she kind of turns around Mm -hmm. sometimes I don't even get that opportunity but just trying to work with her because I've had snakes where they've come to me and like they angry and they hate the world and slowly and slowly and slowly they get more used to being touched and they're okay now but um you know it's gonna be a long process and with the white lips they're actually both really calm in regards of um some that i've seen they're actually um like my male is the biggest puppy dog ever you can just reach in there and grab him and he won't care 
my female's a little bit more on the hissy side, but she's never tried to bite me. So they're okay. But with the, anacond- with the anacondas, um, they came to me both hating everything. Um, so a lot of it was, I just had to take some bites and kind of just gain their trust. And now I can pretty much handle them and they're fine. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of time. Yeah. And then uh, I was also going to ask you with the, oh my gosh, the rattlesnakes that you have, Mm -hmm. how did you get into that? And then do you ever have any intention to possibly relocate to expand your venomous collection? Um, Personally, I do not. Um, I, rattlesnakes are sort of like my favorite venomous. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them, I think look cool, but in reality, I don't think I would have interest in keeping them. Mm -hmm. And even for a while, again, was like, it would be cool if I had this and this and this, but I just, I don't have any interest in them. But I, I like uh, for other people that have them, I'll be like, I'll live through you. But again, rattlesnakes are my favorites. Um, and that's sort of the only thing you can kind of keep in California. Everything else is basically off limits. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah. So a lot, basically just a lot of native stuff is allowed here and that's kind of it. So I got my Northern Pacific from a friend he actually uh, relocated a female and on the way home, it literally just gave birth. Oh, jeez. Um, and he didn't want to, yeah. And he didn't want to relocate the babies right away because he was coming from a couple hours away. And mm-hmm. then where he lived, it was really, it was just like in a city. And he's like, I don't want to just, well, so he just gave them away. And I, I have one, I've had her for him. I don't even know what the gender is. I kind of just have him because I don't mm-hmm. have any interest in breeding my rattlesnakes. I kind of just like him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I've had them for two years and I have a soap pack and, and all of that. And I kind of just keep them just because I like them. Oops, sorry. <laughs> and <laughs> what yeah. is your care like for them? Like, are you cohabbing them at all or what, um, what do their setups look like? Um, two of them, my two biggest ones are in Malamine enclosures and they have like a little, the, um, the ceramic heat emitter and, and whatnot. Um, and the two other ones are like some, it's a uh, melanistic atrox. Uh, and they just are living in tubs right now, like the, like the really big tubs, not mm-hmm. huge. The ones they're the ones from Target with the locks, and I drill mm-hmm. some holes in, and I'm keeping them um, kind of the same conditions uh, on some heat and just on some dirt, some leaves, and it's not it's not too much. They're actually, I would say honestly, a little bit more on the low maintenance side. So, so I like is there permitting required in California for you to have them? Uh, it's a permit if, if you have no, uh, non-native stuff. So if, you, okay. if there are a couple of people in the area that have their licenses and stuff, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I don't, I don't have mine. I, and I so that stuff. when you first got into the rattlesnakes, had you had any experience with venomous beforehand or was this kind of like baptism by fire? So I've had, uh, again, I have like my boyga, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had said, you know, like I've had this, I kind of just kept this one for a little bit, but I don't really have room. So of course he, before I got him, he kind of just showed me of like, okay, you need to bite. Like I have some gloves Mm -hmm. uh, and I have of course like hooks and I have grabbers just in case. So, and basically Mm -hmm. like the general rules of like, don't be in, you know, usually have somebody with you if you're not as confident. Uh, Don't, you need to be wearing, um, or no open toed shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just basically be on alert and don't, you know, be drunk or whatever under the influence and kind of just general rules. And for the most part, not for the most part, but I've never gotten bit. I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. I've never gotten bit. I'm really careful about it. Um, yeah. And I have my, and I've, I've gone herping before in the area mm-hmm. and I found some and I kind of just let them go. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, they're just kind of there. 
Yeah, they're not the most difficult yeah. of uh, venomous to, to work yeah. with. Yeah, there was a guy in my area. He had, like, spitting nausea, um, oh. but then he moved. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was like, so wow, you didn't get offered those. <laughs> no, no, I would have been like, hell no, I don't know what I'm doing because I don't. Thanks so much, but no. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Kina, um, we're wrapping up on our time here. So, one of the things I always like to ask my guest is if you had to give advice to a younger woman who's looking to get into the hobby, um, what would you tell them? Don't let men tear you down because that was something that I dealt with a lot. Mm-hmm. And I would, and I would say something and them overlooking me or just saying that I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't let, don't take that to heart. Um, it's not you. It's just the weird society that we're in, unfortunately, um, because women and just are, are a lot more knowledgeable than some people give us credit for. Mm-hmm. Cause even in X expo people will, I'll be selling something and people will talk to Spencer before me and be like, Oh no, this is actually hers. Um, but basically just, keep on going and there are other women in the hobby that will support you because I've again I people are supportive in general but I've gotten a lot of support from other women and you know I think that's awesome that's awesome um so Kina if people want to get in touch with you where can they find you uh they can find me on Instagram exotic and it's like exotic.entities or on Facebook also exotic entities or if if you're ready for some of my weird shit posts you can add me on Facebook at Kina McCampbell yeah, it's fun. I love seeing it. I love getting like, it'd be like cute memes. Then it's like something totally random and bizarre. And I'm like, did that come from like a weird place on Reddit? And then it's like a snake. And then, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, there's no guarantee of what you're going to get. <laughs> I love it. Well, Kina, thank you so much for your time. Um, It's really such a pleasure to get to talk to you and, and see your face and, and, and catch up. Um, Also just curious, are you heading to any uh, of the local California shows over the next couple months? I will be at the San Jose. So I actually uh, work with Lane Labs right now. So I'm mm-hmm. usually at their booth because um, his, my boss likes to do this thing sometimes where he'll breed a bunch of ball pythons and he'll be like, hey, what are these? Can you figure out what they are? And he sex them right <laughs> before the show. And I'm like, why did you make me? Why am I in charge of this? But I love that. Yeah. So I'll, be, I'll be there. I'll be at the San Jose show and I'll be at the, again, I'm not so sure, but I'm, I'm like 90% sure I'll be at the Pomona Anaheim show in September. So I'll be there too. Awesome. Well, everyone, make sure to check out uh, Kina's stuff. Her information will be in the description of this podcast. Um, And as always, this is your host, Dominique DeFalco of DeFalco Reptiles. Please feel free to give me a follow on Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow the podcast at Modern Medusa Podcast on Instagram. And check out the Patreon. Helps me a lot and helps keep this show running. So Kina, thank you so much for your time tonight. It was really such a pleasure. Thank you. You too. All right, everyone. We'll chat at you next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening. 